Good morning. My name is Nicola Neal, and it's my complete pleasure and joy to be sharing with you this morning. If you have a Bible nearby you, why don't you grab it, pick it up, and uh, turn in it to Psalm 23. We're just going to jump straight in, and I'm going to read to you from verse 1. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I was reading a newspaper article recently about the 13 most common things that the great British public are afraid of. And I, I guess kind of unsurprisingly so, the top-ranking fear, the number one, was um, a fear of heights. And I kind of understand that fear. I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of heights, and gravity, when handled badly, can go horribly wrong. So I understood why that would maybe take the number one slot. It was closely followed by a fear of spiders. Again, a fear I can relate to. I'm not a fan of spiders. They are unpredictable little creatures, and you never know what they're going to do next. Never trust a spider. That's why I always say. And not kind of far behind the spider fear was the fear of snakes. Again, a fear that I can well understand. I'm, I'm not a fan of snakes. When we were living in Africa, my husband had this huge wooden stick that he used to keep by the side of the bed. And on one side, he'd carved into it the word rats. And, and he was keeping a little tally score of the rats that had come to their end via this stick. And on the other side, he had the word snakes, and he was keeping a little tally there too. Now, I can understand for all of you animal lovers out there that the idea of this snake and rat stick is a pretty horrific one. However, when it's 3 a.m. and there is a huge black mamba making its way very quickly across your young daughter's bedroom floor, heading towards her, who is asleep, blissfully unaware in her little bed, that stick comes in very, very handy. I don't like snakes, particularly snakes that can kill you with one bite in about 45 minutes. I don't like rats either. I I don't know why we used to have such enormous rats in our compound. I mean, they were huge. They were like super-sized rats. Some of them were the same size as like a small dog. And, and we always had them around and about. But I remember one time when my husband was in England. And so I'm there by myself. And I woke up one morning and I could hear the sound of Africa as I was gently coming round. And, and I opened my eyes to look towards where my husband would normally be laying and sat on his pillow looking straight at me about this far away from my face was the biggest rat I had ever seen. I was just sat there looking straight at me I freaked out. I got out of that bed so quickly. I couldn't work out for ages afterwards how that rat had got inside my bed. 
You see, as I've already confessed to, I, I have a fear of spiders and I really don't like great big fat African spiders that bite you and have poison in them. And so I used to tuck my mosquito net in very meticulously at night and I wouldn't just like push it down the side of the bed. I'd tuck it right underneath my mattress all the way around to make sure that no unwanted guest was going to get into my bed. And so I couldn't understand how this rat had got inside. The only conclusion that I could come to was that when I tucked my net in the night before, that rat had already been hidden somewhere inside the sheets and had sat there all night long, keeping me company. You can imagine that my bedtime routine became a little bit more complex after that experience. I don't like rats. I don't like snakes. I don't like spiders. I don't really like heights. But the point is that fear can actually be a very powerful emotion. And actually, if we allow it to, it can be a very debilitating and paralyzing emotion. I think it would be fair to say that over the last few months, we have seen fear come and grip the hearts of both people and of nations in a way that I haven't experienced, at least in my lifetime anyway. And as the church, we have to decide how we're going to respond to that. Tozer very famously said that a scared world needs a fearless church. And I totally agree with him. I personally, over the last few months, have found Psalm 23 both very comforting and encouraging to me. But I've also found it deeply challenging. I'm deeply challenged by its bold declaration, beautifully bold declaration, that even when we're walking through the most challenging moments of life, even when we're journeying through the deepest, darkest valley, even the valley of the shadow of death itself, we can do so in complete peace and without fear because of the simple yet transformational truth that the most powerful being in the universe is our shepherd and he is walking with us right the way through leading us forward guiding us along the way ministering his peace into us and continually restoring our souls for my family i think it would be fair to say that over the last couple of months it's felt like we have been journeying literally through the valley of the shadow of death my husband was taken very sick back in October and over the last sort of eight months or so has been undergoing all sorts of tests and investigations and then eight weeks ago he suddenly became critically ill he was ambulanced into hospital and and had life-saving surgery which went well and and they discharged him after a few days and sent him home to rest and recover However, 10 days after his surgery, he very suddenly and very dramatically became critical once again. And, and, I, and I found myself in this moment of having to pick up my phone 
for a second time in less than two weeks and dial 999. And I remember speaking to the lady on the other side of the conversation on the side of the phone and saying to her, you need to get here really quickly. I'm watching my husband die. And it was only a few minutes after that little exchange that that I heard the sirens and saw the blue lights through our window and the paramedics arrived and they were utterly incredible and they came in and they did what they needed to do and then they kind of scooped him up and rushed him off to the ambulance and and set off to take him to hospital a second time. And and as they were leaving, one of the paramedics shouted to me, Mrs. Neal, because I couldn't go with them. And I couldn't even go into the hospital because of COVID restrictions, obviously. And she said, Mrs. Neal, stay by your phone. A doctor will call you in the next four to six hours. This was about 11 p.m. at night. I said, okay. And I sat up all night with my phone in my hand waiting for a phone call to tell me what had happened with my husband. I, I didn't hear anything. And in the morning, I was frantically trying to ring through whatever way I could to speak to someone to get some information. And I finally managed to speak to a lady who was on reception in A&E and she said oh let me just look up your husband you know my system and so she did and she said oh yes he came in late last night said, yes that's right and she said well he he collapsed on arrival and he was taken straight into recess and then she went very quiet and she said to me I'm really sorry I can't give you any more information than that right now but please can you stay by your home your phone because um a doctor's going to call you any moment And she just ended the call. And I sat there just like, what? (laughs) What what does this mean? What's happening to my husband? And it took a little while for me to get a phone call. But in moments like that, I think seconds feel like hours anyway. And at one point in time, I, I I just didn't really know what to do with myself. And I actually thought I was going to pass out. I was exhausted. I'd been up all night. I was just emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted. And I thought I was going to pass out. And so I thought, I'll go upstairs and lie on the bed. Because at least if I, if, I, if I pass out, then I'm lying down already, right? So I went up and I sat down and then kind of threw myself backwards on the bed. And my hand flopped out like this. And, and I remember just saying, Jesus, Jesus. I need you. I didn't, didn't know what else to say. And I, I, it's hard to explain what happened next. I didn't see anything, but I had this very strong sensation of this hand just coming down and wrapping itself around my hand and holding it there. And I heard his voice just speak, just quietly on the inside of my heart. And he just said to me, I am here. I'm here. And the moment that I heard those three words, I am here, it was like all the anxiety and the fear and the questions and the uncertainty that was kind of flooding over me, you know, just began to disappear. And I became completely still And my whole being was just flooded with this incredible peace that made no sense for that moment in my life. And I just knew, I just knew that whatever was going to happen, whether my husband lived or whether he died, 
And he did live. But in that moment, I knew regardless of how this plays out, whatever happens, I will walk it. And I can walk it in peace. Not in some kind of fake pretense of peace or bury my head in the sand kind of peace, but in a supernatural peace that passes understanding because the one who is peace himself was right there with me, walking me on the journey. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, when all around us seems unpredictable and and the very ground beneath our feet feels like it's shaking, he is not shaken. When everything that we have depended upon suddenly feels like it's starting to change and shift around, he doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same forever. And he is good and he is with us. You see, Jesus, he never promised us that life would be easy. In fact, in John 16, you can, you can read where he says, I tell you these things so that in me, in me, Jesus, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say in this world you might have trouble. He said in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And challenges and trials of some description, you know, valley experiences, they will come. They're pretty much guaranteed for all of us. It's not a question of will they come. It's more a question of how are we going to respond to them when they do? Where are we going to fix our focus? Are we going to fix our focus and fix our attention on the valley and all the threats and dangers that surround us in it? Or are we going to fix our focus and our attention on the shepherd who walks it with us? I think sometimes, I think sometimes we read Psalm 23 and, and we can be a little bit selective, you know. We, we quite like to read the bit about him leading us beside quiet waters or laying us down in green pastures and restoring our souls. And we love the promise of surely, you know, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. And we love those kind of parts of this psalm, but we can try and distance ourselves a little bit from the valley. None of us really, if we're honest, want to walk through the valley. It's just not a place that we really want to go. And so in our lives, we end up trying to find the safest route in life, you know, to minimize and eliminate risk and danger and challenge and threat and, and try and reduce cost and suffering as much as we possibly can. But that is not the way of the kingdom. St. Francis of Assisi prayed this beautiful prayer, and I'm sure you know it very, very well. He said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon, doubt, faith, despair, hope, 
darkness, light, and so he goes on. But the thing is, how can we be light in the darkness if we are afraid of the dark? As the church, we have to learn how to navigate through the valley so that then we can come alongside other people journeying through the valley too and walk with them in it. Put very simply, how do we as the church stand alongside the hurting and the broken and the poor and the lonely if we ourselves are not able to stand first? How do we minister his peace into the hearts of a fearful and disorientated world if we ourselves are not living in the reality of that peace for ourselves first? The valley, it does not need to be a place that is feared and avoided. The valley actually can be a place of incredible discovery. And I think that actually there are some things we can only discover, some truths and the beauty of those that we can only discover whilst in the valley. The valley can be a place of great pain, yes, but also of great comfort. The valley can be a place of incredible weakness, but also a place of knowing his strength. It can be a place of mourning, but also of dancing, of sorrow, but also of joy. It can be a place of great ashes. It can but it can also be a place of indescribable beauty because the one who takes hold of the ashes of our lives and transforms it into something beautiful is journeying right there with us. Unfailing, unwavering, unchanging, always present even though even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me if ever the world needed a message of hope of love of peace it's now now is the time for the church to stand up once again, to, to rise up and to be counted and to stand up for righteousness in the midst of chaos and peace in a time of great crisis, fearlessly declaring there is hope for that situation, there is peace for that community, there is a future for that people group, there is healing for this broken nation, and then giving itself to tirelessly and relentlessly fight for that reality, giving itself to live that reality out, regardless of the cost, whatever it looks like, whatever happens, fearless, fearless, no longer 
as the church can we afford to sit back on the sidelines and and pray over a problem that's kind of over there and ask the Lord to come down and sort out the mess no we can't do that any longer it's time for us to roll our sleeves up to get our hands dirty to climb down inside people's valleys and walk life with them whatever the cost however difficult it might be We have to no longer be afraid or ruled by our instincts of self-preservation and protection and be prepared to pay the price, to suffer the cost, to see a broken world made whole again. It's time to climb down inside the valley to get alongside people and literally walk with them and help lead them towards the same peace, bringing life, giving hope that we too have found in our great shepherd. I don't know what kind of valley you are walking through right now. Maybe like my family, it's a valley of sickness Maybe it's a valley of financial uncertainty. Maybe it's the valley of disappointment. Maybe it's the valley of relational breakdown. Maybe it's the valley of anxiety. I don't know what your particular valley is, but I do know this. That the great shepherd, our good shepherd, is walking in it with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come and meet with each one of us right now. That we would be very aware of your presence with us in our homes and in our now moment of life. And Lord, I ask that you would come and that right now, in this moment, you would minister, that you would minister your peace into the hearts of those who are fearful, that you would minister your strength into the hearts of those who feel like they don't know how to keep going. And that you would minister your hope 
into the hearts of those who feel like all hope has gone. And we thank you for the truth of your word that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Amen.